and your faith in the Word of God, that promise in Romans 8.28, and you raise that like a shield, that'll take away the burning. All of a sudden, the devil's got no handle on you. He can't get you upset. He can't get you uh, fierce, full of fear. He can't get you full of guilt. He can't get you full of worry. He can't get you because you're using the shield. We've been talking on this line of the victorious Christian life. There's not a one of us here tonight or watching online that wants to be a flop in our Christian walk with our Lord. We all are wanting to be successful in our walk for God and with Jesus. And so we began a couple of weeks ago this series about living the successful or victorious Christian life. And we began by saying that there's a reason why so many of us Christians live ho-hum lives. Lives in which we see very little victory. Lives in which we experience very few answers to prayer. Lives in which we uh, sense a lack of power of God. And of course, the Bible rarely seems exciting. And this is no way to live. This is not how God wants any of us to live. The Christian life, remember, is essentially Christ's life. It's Christ living his life through the obedient Christian. And only Jesus is able to live that life. I can guarantee you that when Jesus was on earth in the flesh, living for the 33 years he lived, he did not live a ho-hum life. He did not live a life that was void of power and void of answers to prayer and, and a life where the, the scriptures seemed uh, uh, dry or dull. I can guarantee you that the Lord Jesus lived a, a wonderful life, a victorious life. And so we began a couple of weeks ago this little series and we had to address topic number one, and that is sin. We all deal with it. If any of us say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're all in this together, folks. We have fallen natures, a sin nature. And we're easily tempted. And we're easily led astray. And so um, uh, it's a problem that we all face. And we need to learn to recognize sin. We need to learn to repent of sin. We need to learn to reject sin. So that's very important. Rejecting may involve a house cleaning. You may have things in your life that you need to get rid of. The Bible tells us not to make provision for the flesh. There should be nothing in our homes or in our lives that, um, well, let's say there are provisions off to one side in order for us to commit sin. There should be nothing like that. The world has that. You know, they're into their drugs and their uh, uh, liquor and uh, all kinds of uh, worldly things, and they keep those things on the shelves of their home. They're provisions for the flesh. Um, of course, there's a whole lot more ways to sin than just drugs and alcohol. You know that. There's a lot of different ways. There ought to be nothing like that in our life. So we may need to do a house cleaning. And then last Wednesday, we spoke about the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
and how important that is. It's so important that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. We explained what it is. We explained how to be filled with the Spirit. But you remember what I said was the number one enemy against being, for the Christian, that opposes us from being filled with the Spirit. The number one enemy is we forget. We forget. Now, it's been seven days since uh, last Wednesday. How many of those days have you remembered to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You see, that's my point. We forget. And we hear the teaching and the preaching on the filling of the Holy Spirit and we say, yes, that's right, that's for me, that's what I want. And then the next day, we've forgotten. There's nothing there to remind us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Which is really why you need a prayer closet. Because if you have a a little place you can get away Get away from the world, from the family, from other people. Just you and the Lord. And it doesn't have to be an elaborate place. It could be a, uh, something as simple as uh, going and sitting in your car, maybe. In the driveway. Just so you're alone with the Lord. You will find that doing that will start bringing the, the memory of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, you'll say, oh yeah. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. This is one thing that I really credit my prayer closet uh, to help me with, is to remind me every day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you, there's many days when I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's no fault of God's. It's been because I've forgotten. But I can pretty much guarantee you 99.99% of the time when I walk into the pulpit, I will have spent time asking the Lord to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I never want to uh, approach the sacred desk hmm, with the Word of God in front of God's people and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that is a key to living the victorious Christian life. Tonight we're going to talk about the third step in living the victorious Christian life, and that is daily Bible study. Daily Bible study. A a time with the Bible. So let's have a moment of prayer, and let's talk about this tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have a Bible. There is no book like the Bible. All the world's major religions seem to have some sort of writing. There's all kinds of them, I suppose. But there's no book like your book. God breathed. It's inerrant. It's wonderful. It's alive. And it'll speak to our hearts. Thank you for the Bible. Help us as your children. Help and remind us to have a Bible time. Every day. Preferably in the morning. Before we leave our homes and go to work or school. Help us Lord. So, impact us tonight. Speak to our hearts tonight on this subject. Because we really want to live the victorious Christian life. So help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of things I want to remind you about the Bible. The Bible is absolutely no ordinary book. The Bible is God-breathed. That comes out very clearly in the scripture. 
It tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration is the idea of God breathed in. Just like how God formed Adam and breathed into him the breath of life, and all of a sudden Adam was a, you know, a living soul. Likewise, that book you're holding in front of you tonight, the Bible, God breathed life into that book. There's no book like it. It is the only book really in the world that's inspired of God. God only wrote one book. That's it. Uh, men write books. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of books. But God wrote one book. It's God-breathed. But secondly, it's perfect. It's absolutely precise. Everything that the Bible speaks on is right and correct. If it speaks on the matters of science or history or geography or astronomy or geology or medicine, whatever God has put in there, you know it's going to be right. We have case after case where man finally figured out something that was in the Bible all this time. You know, a lot of people a long, long time ago thought the world was flat. God tells us that it's a, a ball, a sphere. Uh, a long time ago, people thought the way to get disease out of the body was to cut and bleed the patient. And of course, you know the story, that's, that's how... George Washington, the first president of the United States, died because he got sick and his doctors kept bleeding him until he lost so much blood he died. And yet the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the what? Blood. God knows what he's talking about. The Bible is absolutely precise. And when the Bible talks about rearing children, when the Bible talks about uh, getting victory over sin. When the Bible talks about working for an employer, Bible talks about getting married, a husband-wife relationships, everything the Bible talks about, it's because God breathed it into life. It's, it's God's design. It's God's book. It is, it is absolutely perfect. And not only that, it is preserved. We don't have to wonder and fret and worry. Do we have the Word of God? There are Christians... Trust me, there are Christians in the world that have been taught that the Bible is full of errors. And so they're always trying to say, now, ah, I wonder, you know, boy, if only we had the original writings, you know, those parchments. Boy, then we would clear up a lot. But we don't have any of those things. All we have are copies. And you know, copyists' errors creep in. And, and so is what I'm reading exactly correct? Is it, is it the Word of God or not? And there, there are people that worry and wonder. Born again, Christian people who do not have the assurance that the book in front of them is the Word of God. We've got all kinds of modern Bibles today. And the reason we have all kinds of modern Bibles, follow the money. There's big dollars attached to them. We have the preserved Word of God. It's perfect. It's authoritative. And... Uh, there's no book like it. Boy, the importance of the Bible. Never, ever, 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 ever underestimate the importance of the Bible in your life. You would not have a life if it were not for the Bible. You would not know God if it were not for the Bible. You would not know how to be saved if it were not for the Bible. You would not know that you're saved if it were not for the Bible. 
you would know nothing of heaven, nothing of hell. You would know nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ. You would know nothing about eternity. You would know nothing about sin and repentance. You would know nothing if it were not for the Bible. Never underestimate the importance of the Bible. So many Christians go day after day without reading their Bible. Folks, that is probably the number one problem right there. If we would be people of the book and read the book and let the Bible speak to us. And I think that may be a key right there. A lot of Christians don't know how to read the Bible. They approach it the same way they would approach a, a textbook or um, a piece of literature or maybe uh, Shakespeare, open up Shakespeare, you know, and Romeo, Romeo, ah, is that ever po poetic? That's really nice. And they close it. And a week later, they pick it back up. And so many Christians don't realize that this is a living book. Shakespeare's writings are dead, as dead as doornails. God's book is alive. And the book will speak to you if you'll listen. If you'll listen to it. Never underestimate the importance of the Bible. Many, many of the world's most brilliant people have had a respect and a love for the Bible. William Lloyd Phelps, sorry, Lyon Phelps, William Lyon Phelps, he was a, a famous teacher at Yale University. He said, I believe that knowledge of the Bible without a college education is more valuable than a college education without the Bible. Did you catch what he said? You can have the Bible or the college education. Which one is more valuable? This man, a Yale University professor, said the Bible is far more valuable than a college education. So many people today, they're selling their souls to be able to go to you know, the best colleges to get the best education. But they know nothing of the Bible. They're educated in worldly ways, but they know nothing of the ways of God. And the ways of God include the ways of this life. Sir Ambrose Fleming was a famous electrical engineer. He invented the vacuum tube, which is what modern transistors uh, are, are doing now. That, the vacuum tube is, is the predecessor to um, modern transistors. Also, the diode, an important uh, electrical uh, it's called a semiconductor. It allows voltage to flow one way, but it won't allow it to come back the other way. Very vitally important for electronic circuits. And this fellow, Sir Ambrose Fleming, he invented it. He said, we must not build on the sands of an uncertain and ever-changing science, but upon the rock of inspired scriptures. That man believed in the Bible. President George Washington, whom I mentioned earlier, he said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. That was the first president. Robert E. Lee was a Civil War general who fought for the Southern Confederacy. And he said, in all my perplexities and distresses, the Bible has never failed to give me light and strength. Abraham Lincoln, everyone has heard of Lincoln the 16th president of the United States, he said, I am busily engaged in the study of the Bible. I believe it is God's word because it finds me where I am. I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good of the Savior of the world is communicated to us through the book. 
There's been so many other famous, world-famous people that believed in the benefit of the, the Bible. Johann Kepler, the father of physical astronomy, believed in the Bible. Francis Bacon, the famous scientist who established what we know as the scientific method, was a believer in the Bible. Blaise Pascal, a brilliant ma mathematician. Isaac Newton, the man who discovered the laws of gravity. Samuel Morris, that intellectual giant who invented Morse code. Werner von Braun, the world's top space scientist who pioneered space travel and helped put the first man on the moon. All these brilliant leaders believed in the benefits of the Bible. What are the benefits of the Bible? Well, you're in Psalm 119. I'd like you to read verse number 105. Read that out loud with me now, please. Psalm 119, verse 105. Let's read. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We believe it in our heads, but not so much in our hearts. If we believed it in our hearts, we would not let go of this book. We'd be reading it every day. Boy, it's a new day. I need to have light on my pathway today. Tomorrow morning, if we're all still here. I mean, in, in, in this life, it's going to be Thursday. What are you going to do? You've got your routine all set, right? Does it include Bible time? Because you need guidance for Thursday. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We just don't. We don't know what the stock market is going to do. We don't know what uh, influence it'll have upon our places of work and business. Will we even have a job tomorrow? We don't know what's going to be happening this year in 2023 as far as worldwide COVID. They're talking about it again. They're talking about another, some kind of wave of some sort of COVID, maybe putting its running shoes on and running around the world again. We just don't know. They're talking about a, a war between America and China by 2025. Well, what if it happens sooner? Uh, there's a war going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. And the way it's looking, the way it's adding up, is that Russia seems to be against war against NATO, just about, because of all of the other countries that are coming to the, the aid of the Ukraine. Uh, that has spillover effects. There's other countries that would uh, quickly line up with Russia, including, I think, Iran, including uh, China, I think, um, North Korea. And you start getting countries that start taking sides, and we call this a world war. So we don't know what tomorrow will hold. Now, chances are there won't be a world war tomorrow. Chances are there won't be any kind of COVID um, outbreak tomorrow. But you don't know what tomorrow will hold. And you and I, we need light on our path. That's why God put this in here. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, turn back a couple of pages to 107. Psalm 107. I want you to see something that's quite amazing. Psalm 107 and verse number 20. Verse number 20. You have it? Read it out loud with me. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That's exactly what the word of God will do for us. God's word will help heal us and save us from destructions. How many have ever heard of a movie or a book called Mutiny on the Bounty? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Mutiny on the Bounty. All right, that's four of us. 
How many have never heard Mutiny on the Bounty? Raise your hand. Okay. Never heard of it? Never heard of it? Okay. You're about to hear of it. It's a true story. A true story. It took place in in the 1700s. A British naval ship in 1789 had a terrible captain, Captain Bly, and the name of the ship was Bounty. And the captain was so bad... um, The story is all about how the crew mutinied and the mutineers uh, sailed the ship and they uh, landed on a little island called Pitcairn Island. Pitcairn Island. Anyone here ever heard of Pitcairn Island? One, two, three, four. Same people have heard of Mutiny on the Bounty. All right. Well, um, when they landed, there were nine sailors there were six native men. Now, these are people on the ship who came. There were ten women and a 15-year-old girl. One of the sailors started making alcohol. And the small little island of Pitcairn soon became ruined, absolutely ruined with drunkenness and wicked sin and fighting. A few years later, all of the men, all of the sailors, every one of them died except one. His name was Alexander Smith, and he wanted to kill himself. He was so depressed. He was surrounded by native um, women and half-breed children, and Smith found a Bible in one of the chests that had been taken off the ship called the Bounty. He began to read the Bible, and in it he learned how to be saved. He read it to the women and children as well. Smith got born again, and then one by one, the women and children were all born again. Nineteen years later, in 1808, the United States ship Topaz visited the island of Pitcairn and found a prosperous community without whiskey, without a jail, without crime, and without an insane asylum. The Bible had changed the life of that little community and they experienced the victorious Christian life. The Bible is like a medicine. It can heal us from the ruinous effects of this world. Next, the Bible is a teacher. And this is where I want to point out something important. Now go back to Psalm 119, would you please? Psalm 119. Here, we'll go to verse 99 and 100. Verse 99 and 100. Read it out loud with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. The Bible wants to teach us. We don't seem to realize that. This book is alive. God put life into the Bible. The Bible will talk to us if we will listen. And that's the beauty of your prayer closet. You get away from distractions, away from people. Start listening. The Bible will talk to you. Start studying it. Some Christians, they don't know where to start. Well, you could start at Genesis 1.1. That's my preferred method. And I just started Genesis And I go all the way through to Revelation. And I go back to Genesis. And I go all the way through to Revelation. I've done it that way for years. I've I've done it other ways as well. 
But I find that if my mind is distracted on other things, then I won't even remember what I've read. If I approach the Bible as if it were just a, a textbook or say a dictionary or say the phone book, you know, a bunch of names and numbers and you know, you read, you read, you read, you read, oh, time's up, okay. I haven't gotten anything. But if I approach the book as a love letter from God and I can hear God's voice, then I'll start to learn something. That's the beauty of the prayer closet. Take the Bible into your prayer closet. Start to study it. Start to memorize verses that seem to jump off the page and speak to your heart. Meditate upon it. Start putting it into practice. The Bible will give us wisdom for our problems and the knowledge of God so that we know what to do and when to do it. Let the Bible speak to you. So when tomorrow morning you have your prayer closet, you get alone with the Word of God, you say to your Bible, What can you tell me today? What can you teach me today? And then start reading. If you just honestly don't know where to begin in the Bible, well, you can use one of the the, um, uh, Bible reading guides that we put out. Every month we've got a, a Bible reading guide. There's 12 months in the year, 12 Bible reading guides. You follow that through and you'll have your whole Bible read through in one year. And then we'll give you a certificate for that. Or you could maybe just go to the book of Psalms and start there. That's a wonderful book. Oh my, it is. In fact, that brings us to uh, the next point. So you see, the first point is that the Bible is like a medicine to help cure the, the, the struggles and the ills and the, the effects of this world. Number two is that the Bible is a teacher. Number three, the Bible is a comforter. A comforter. The word comfort has that idea of, of nice uh, fuzzy feelings, yes, but strength. Strength. That's what the Bible gives us. And it is a comforter. Now you're in Psalm 119. Look back at verse number 50. 50. Read verse 50 out loud with me. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. You see that? There's a mention of the word comfort. The Bible will comfort us. Have you ever been troubled? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever felt guilty? Have you ever felt angry? These are all common denominators to human life. You can't really live without feeling those things. Even if you're asleep, you can feel those things in your dreams. Many of you, maybe all of you have had a dream where you felt angry or you felt afraid. Often fears come out in our our dreams. The things that we're afraid of. uh, Secret things maybe we've even forgotten about. They're in there somewhere. And sometimes in a dream, they'll come back. And we'll feel these emotions. And we can feel great joy and excitement in dreams as well. But in life, we need comfort. Every one of us. I need it. You need it. God knows and he'll give it to us. There are times when burdens and sorrows are just pressing us down a bit. What do we do? Well, what does the world do? Well, they run to the bar. They'll load up on alcohol or they'll, they'll load up on, on drugs or, or they'll, they'll run to adultery or they'll run to amusements. 
And the problem is when the alcohol wears off, when the adulteries are over, when the amusements have ended, the sorrows and burdens are still there. So they have to go and get more alcohol and try and keep drowning things. And that's how people become addicted. Well, that's one way that people become terribly addicted to these vices. But you and I have another way. We can run to our friend, the living Word of God, and we can be comforted. And it's true that our problem may still be there, but it doesn't bother us as much now. We've got comfort. We've got strength in the inner man. The child of God has a place that he or she can go for strengthening and for soothing and for comfort. As you and I open the Bible and read, the Holy Spirit takes the words of God and soothes our troubles and our troubled mind and strengthens us in our weak heart. The Psalms are a great place to go. If you're not sure which Psalm, start at Psalm 1. You know, Psalm 23 is a good one too, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you just let the Bible speak to you. You just let the Bible comfort you. Because God wants to comfort you and teach you and strengthen you through his word. You just have to let it happen. Just let it happen. Very important. Before you know it, you'll be back in the game. Well, the Bible is like a medicine to help cure us from the uh, sicknesses of, of sin and the effects of sin on our lives. Um, the Bible is like a teacher who wants to teach us. And if we will listen carefully, tomorrow morning when you have your Bible time, you try it and you start listening and you say to the Bible, what, what can you teach me today? You say, well, that sounds kind of silly. Well, it would be if you were speaking to Shakespeare's books. It would be silly if you opened the, the dictionary and said, what can you teach me today? Don't let anyone hear you say that. But you can open the living word of Almighty God, which is alive, and you can say, what can you teach me today? And it hears, and it will respond. And if you have a listening ear, remember Jesus he used to say, he that hath what? Ears, let him hear. Every one of us have ears to hear. We can. Well, we come to point number four. And this is a very practical point. The word of God, the Bible, is like a shield. A shield. Now, turn to the right, to the book of, of Proverbs. Chapter number 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. It's important that you see this. Proverbs chapter 30, and I want you to read out loud verse 5. Now, some of you haven't been reading out loud. I want you to read out loud, okay? Read out loud so that the Bible can hear you reading. Okay, let's do it together. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 5, out loud. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. And here you can see every word of God is pure and there's a colon. You've heard me teach this before. The colon sets up 
two sides of the equation. They're both equal in essence, but the second one gives further understanding of the first one. Just like our, our understanding of time on the clock. A digital clock might say 10.05. We know that's 10 hours and 5 minutes. They're both equal in essence. They're both uh, measurements of time. But the second one gives a little further details from the first one. 10. It's not just 10. It's 10.05. And so here in verse 5, we're talking about the Word of God. And the second half of the equation, it's a shield. It is a shield. And let me tell you, you need God's shield if you're going to live a day in this world. You need God's shield. You cannot trust in your own, own arm of the flesh. It will fail you. You cannot trust in your own uh, wisdom and intellect and beauty and money and influence and political power. You can't trust in these things, but you can trust in the, the shield God has given for you and for me. The Bible. Temptation is a part of life. The shield will come and help against burning temptations. Now this is very, very important. We are tempted to sin, every one of us. There is none of us that are beyond temptation. We're tempted to despair. We're tempted to quit. And it's very important, if you do not use the shield, there's no plan B. There's no other piece of equipment that will guard you and protect you against temptation. It's only a matter of time. Without the shield, it's only a matter of time before it finally gets you. It finally gets you to quit, gets you to despair, gets you to throw your hands up and run like a crazy person or something. It's only a matter of time. God has provided you with a shield. It's up to you and me to use it. Oh, we must never underestimate the importance of the Word of God. If you and I want to live the victorious Christian life, it must be around the Word of God. Now let's go to the New Testament while we're on this point. Uh, the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, talking about a shield, I'm sure that some of you here have thought about this verse in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 16. Read verse 16 out loud with me, please, now. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, someone might wonder, well, pastor, you said the shield was the Bible. Here it says the shield is faith. Aren't they two different things? No, they work together because the faith is in the Bible. You always have faith in something. You just don't have faith. You have faith in something. Sir, do you have faith? Oh, I have faith. Oh, yes, I'm a man of faith. Oh, I have a lot of faith. I have faith coming out my fingers. I have so much faith, it, it, oozes, it oozes out my ears. I have so much faith. I'm a man of faith. What do you have faith in? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. One day, maybe I'll figure that out. Well, that doesn't sound very encouraging. What is your faith in? All of you here have faith in that seat you're sitting in. You have faith it's going to hold you up. If you came here by uh, 
by bus, by taxi, by car, by bicycle. You have faith in that mode of transportation to get you here. Uh, there's a lot of things we put faith in. God is asking us to put faith in the Bible. It's our shield. And when you and I raise that shield of faith in the Bible, faith in God's Word, that's when those fiery darts get stopped. The devil loves to shoot fiery darts that burn. He gets us to get angry. Ooh, someone did something. That lady said something. That man, he, he said something about me behind my back. And ooh, boy, you know. And that's burning that we don't need. Or maybe we see someone who, who's prospering. Uh, maybe someone got a job, <clears throat> a promotion at, at work that maybe we should have got because we were here before them and we know more than they do anyhow. And yet they got the job. Now all of a sudden they are the boss maybe of, uh, in, in the factory floor and we feel that uh, envy. We feel uh, angry because we've been passed over. You know, in the United States, in 24 days, they had 32 mass shootings. And it seems that there's more mass shootings going on in the United States lately than anywhere else in the world, any other country in the world. There's bombings. What happened just in Pakistan? 100 people are dead. Uh, someone went in and bombed a mosque, suicide bomber. Horrible things happening in the world. Some of these mass shootings are because of anger. Anger. I watched a little YouTube it was back in the 90s in the FedEx, um, big FedEx company. And they have planes, you know. They own planes and trucks. And this man got passed over uh, for a promotion. And his career, he was in his uh, I think early 40s. And his career, it looks like it was, it was going to be grounded. And so what he did was, he got on a plane. There were three other men there to fly the plane. And he had hammers and he had a, uh, a spear gun, what you would use to shoot fish with. He carried these in a guitar case. And because he was a FedEx employee and he was also himself a, a bit of a pilot, no one questioned him. He came on board, he was going to get a flight somewhere. But his plan was to kill the pilots and crash the plane and then figuring that the insurance money from his death would provide for his uh, children. Well, it didn't go the way he wanted it to go. And by the grace of God, they were able to land the plane. They overpowered him. Uh, there's a long story. It's quite a story there on that FedEx flight. But there's another example of a man, angry, angry, got passed over. You see, that can happen to any human being. We can feel angry. Angry that someone did something to us or should have done something that we deserve and we didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? The Word of God, faith in the Word of God will stop the burning arrow. Not only will it stop the arrow, it'll smother it, it'll put out the burning. Romans 8.28 is a great promise of God that you ought to have memorized and we know. That all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. And your faith in the word of God. That promise in Romans 8.28. And you raise that like a shield. That will take away the burning.
All of a sudden, the devil's got no handle on you. He can't get you upset. He can't get you uh, full of fear. He can't get you full of guilt. He can't get you full of worry. He can't get you because you're using the shield. You see how important it is? If we want to live the victorious Christian life, we have to have faith in the shield. This wonderful shield. It brings us to the last point I want to mention tonight. And it's in verse number 17. And we're told here to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's the Word of God again used as a sword. It's the only offensive weapon we have. God hasn't given us an array of different weapons. We have one. Why? Because it's all we need. And with this one weapon, we can fight off spiritual enemies. Spiritual enemies are not people. They are not people. Look back at verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Enemies are spiritual. They are not physical. Spiritual enemies are invisible. You can't see them. Physical enemies, you can see them. Spiritual enemies are invisible. You don't know where they are. You'll be beating the air. You won't be able to get them. But God has given you a weapon that can cut them off at the kneecaps. It's called the Word of God. Demons, fallen angels, even the devil himself will take a dive when you start using the proper weapon. The proper weapon is the Word of God. That's why we have to memorize. Memorize some scriptures. Oh, but that's, that takes work. Yeah, it does. It, it also takes work to get up and get dressed and go out the door and go, go to your job and, and make money for the day to pay your bills. That takes work too. But this is good work. This is important work. And it's something that everyone needs. And if you have children in the home, they need to know this too. You don't want to send them into the world unprepared. Spiritual enemies are all around us. They're mocking us. They're tempting us. They're whispering evil thoughts in our heads. Hey, listen, have you ever had that happen where you have some evil thought in your head, you can't get rid of it? Maybe it's a picture. Maybe you've seen something. Maybe it's something very alluring and tempting or maybe it's something very horrible and grisly and graphic and you saw this thing and it's in your head and you can't seem to get rid of it. Children will have this problem. If they see a horror movie or something, they'll, they'll you know, go to bed and they'll have visions of this thing in their head. How do you help your kids? You help them with the Word of God, using the Word of God. Because the only piece of offensive equipment that you and I need is the sword of the Spirit. And we can cut these things down. We really can. The old devil, he'll put a thought in your head You know, I'm a musical kind of person. I like music. I think just about all my life I've liked music. I like singing songs and humming and coming up with a few things. I like playing musical instruments. Music is part of my life. But the downside is that if I hear a catchy jingle, a worldly jingle or something, it can sometimes get in my head. And I had this, I've had this happen a few times, but the example that comes to mind, it happened... 35 years ago, somewhere around 35 years ago, and we were in our previous church and we were putting up a building. 
And a couple of the guys that were working there had a radio going and they were playing a popular song. And a popular worldly song back then they were listening to, the words were, seven days of rock, seven days of roll. It was a rock and roll song. And so as I'm passing by, I'm, you know, listening to this. And it was a real catchy tune. Well, guess what happened? I got that dumb, stupid thing stuck in my head. And I couldn't seem to get rid of it. And I mean, after three days of this seven days of rock and seven days of roll, get out of my head. What am I going to do? And that's when the cried out to God, what am I going to do? And that's when the Holy Spirit said, well, let's try changing the words. Let's try putting some good Christian words to that tune and see what happens. So I, I said, okay, it's worth a try. So same, same tune, the tune was the same, but I changed the words. Seven days of prayer, seven days of peace, seven days of prayer, seven days of peace. By noon, I had won the victory. It never bothered me again after that. Well, I learned something that day. And I've used that little trick more than one time. You know, when some little tune gets in my head. Or I've also used it if the devil puts some thought in my head. You know, against another person. I can't have that in my head. i got to deal with that. And so I'll get a scripture verse going to bless that person or something. But you see... The devil is seeking to destroy you and me and he'll do it any way he can and we have to use the sword to fight them off for the word of God is quick. That means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. What does that mean? The soul and spirit are joined until physical death and they come apart. The spirit is is that third part of your entity. You are a body, soul, and spirit. That spirit came from God. According to Ecclesiastes, that spirit goes back to God. The body goes in the ground. Well, what happens to the soul? If you're saved, you go to heaven. If you're lost, you go to hell. But right now, the soul and spirit are stuck like glue together. The Word of God is able to get in there and divide even soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is the most incredible sword ever. It's not a toy. The Bible is not a toy. We cannot have a victorious Christian life without the Bible. Jesus used the Bible to fight off the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness. Now there's a an amusing story to help us remember this. It's a story about a 10-year-old boy. And this really illustrates the effectiveness of the Bible. Listen carefully to this story. This 10-year-old boy on a Sunday morning finally realized he was a little lost sinner and needed the Savior. And he got saved. And he was so happy. And his Sunday school teacher gave him a Bible. And for lack of a better name, we'll just call him Johnny. And so Johnny was so happy and the Bible uh, school teacher, the Sunday school teacher opened the Bible up to John chapter 5 and verse number 24. 
and said, now, Johnny, I want you to read this. Let's read it together. And so the two of them read it together. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, you know, those are the words of Jesus. And the Sunday school teacher pointed this out to little Johnny and even underlined it in the Bible. And Johnny took that and he was so happy he came home and announced to his family that he's now a Christian. But you know, it wasn't long before the devil started working on little Johnny. Even a 10-year-old boy. Ah, Johnny, you're such a fool. You know, you're not really saved. You just think you're saved. You've, you've made you know, prayers to God before. You've made promises to God and what happened? You broke them. So here you go again, Johnny. You're not really saved and Johnny started having trouble. Well, it started getting worse and worse, and by bedtime, he was really in, in a pickle. He didn't know what to do. Till finally he remembered the Bible that his Sunday school teacher gave him. And uh, you know how sometimes children are afraid of the dark, right? You know, that happens. Some children think there's monsters in the closet or monsters under their bed. Yes? Has anyone here ever thought there was something creepy under the bed at any time? Too ashamed, eh? Too ashamed. We're too scared to raise our hand. Well, that, that's a common thing. That's a common thing that you think there's something spooky underneath your bed. Well, little Johnny used to think that too. And so he, he's, he's climbed into bed and the devil's after him and he, he grabs his Bible and opens it to John chapter 5, verse 24. And he takes the Bible and he sticks it under the bed and he says, okay, devil, read it for yourself. There you go. Use the word of God. You and I, we cannot, we will not have a successful, victorious Christian life unless we spend Bible time every day. We've traveled together through life's rugged way or land and or water by night and by day to travel without it. I never would try. We Keep close together, my Bible and I. In sorrow I've proved it, my comfort and joy. When weak, my strong tower, which naught can destroy. When death comes so near me, tis thought I would die. We still are together, my Bible and I. If powers of evil against me would come and threaten to rob me of heaven and home, God's word then directs me to him in the sky and nothing can part us, my Bible and I, when evil temptations are brought to my view, and I in my weakness know not what to do. On Christ as my strength I am taught to rely, and so we keep company, my Bible and I. When life's path is ended, if Jesus should come, and take all his blood-purchased brethren home, or if, in long-suffering, he waits till I die, will never be parted, my Bible and I. And when in the glory, my Lord, I behold, with all his redeemed gather safe in the fold, my Bible and I companions will be, for God's word abides for all eternity. My Bible and I, tomorrow morning, Get alone with the Bible. And you say, what can you teach me today? Heavenly Father. Thank you for watching the message today. 
We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.